London on a, what was at the time the biggest um, council estate in Europe, and there was a wonderful medical mission on that uh, estate, and they had an amazing children's work there, and I went along, my parents weren't, um, uh, didn't go to church, and they sent me along to that Sunday school, and when I was 13, on the 23rd of June, 1963, so I've been celebrating this week, I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus in that medical mission, and it's still going strongly, and uh, so it's got a doctor's on one side and a, and a church on the other. Fantastic. Wonderful. That's great. And uh, I wonder, uh, and uh, John Withers noticed you were wearing a King's College tie, oh, yeah. so that's great. And uh, so you obviously went to university, and what happened after that? Uh, oh, I went to teacher training college in South London, and then um, moved down here, married my wife Liz, who, was, um, uh, who lived in Hazelmere, Carter family, Tom Carter from uh, Hazelmere Evangelical Church, he's the pastor there. So we, we joined Hazelmere Evangelical Church, later Three Counties Church, um, uh, change of name for the last 40 years. So I've been teaching in the area, and then I was... Uh, I also did a bit of work in London. Tell us a little bit, just to give us a flavour of your work in London that you oh, did. Oh yeah, so I became a head teacher just around the corner from Piccadilly Circus in Soho. So my school was the Soho Parish School. And um, it was, I was there 13 years, 40 terms, like 40 years in the wilderness. No, it was 40 terms exactly. And... Um, and my school, which was between two sex shops, literally, um, was a Church of England school with children from all over the world, uh, especially a lot of Chinese children from Chinatown, Bengali children from uh, all the flats around there, and a lot of liberal white intelligentsia from um, uh, the universities and London teaching hospitals. And it was during that time I, I did a master's at King's ah, College. Ah, right. And I remember you once sort of doing a talk and you said that heaven was a little bit like oh, yeah, uh, Soho. Soho. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Why did you say that? Um, everything, every, just Soho is, is the fountain of everything. I mean, you take fashion, fun, films, television, um, theatre, um, literary figures... Mozart lived there, Karl Marx lived there, well, we won't talk about him. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> um, uh, William Blake lived there, you name it. Um, uh, and, and, and there's such life and, and um, you know, creative creativity there. At the same time, you can turn around and it's a bit like hell. So it's got everything, really. And, uh, and I love it. One square mile. Go there, visit it. It's amazing. Thank you. And then you went on to be Director of Education <coughs> for the uh, Church of England Schools in Guildford Diocese. And that's when I got to know you, really. What did you find as the most uh, challenging and best part of that job? Um, <clears throat> yeah, there are 85, we count now, ones combined. So 85 schools in the Diocese of Guildford, which is most of Surrey and North East Hampshire. Um, and they, well, my heart just, just is full of those schools. They, uh, they are doing the most incredible work day after day. They're little glimpses of heaven. They are distinctively Christian. Uh, they're inspected 
for their distinctive Christianity or the way that they are, they are led in that way. The most challenging thing is that they are tough, tough places to be in. Tough places with, with every kind of pressure you can imagine. It produces great people. It produces great people <laughs> because of some, partly some of those pressures. And if you can stand it, it produces greatness. But occasionally things go wrong, and they're the, they're the toughest times. Obviously, with all those schools, things are always going wrong. So we had fires and floods and bereavements uh, with children and with staff and so on. And they're the toughest times. But overall, what a job. What a wonderful privilege to yeah. do that. So you sort of hung up your educational things, but I sort of hear that you're going, this is your sort of last week of being a sort of lay oh, yeah. person yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're moving on to... So tell us what's happening yeah. next week. Yeah, well, so... Um, so two and a half years ago, really, somebody said to me, have you thought about ordination? So I was thinking of retirement, actually, and <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking positively about retirement because um, serving God has been such an amazing adventure for me. Uh, I don't want it to end. And um, you don't read the word retirement in the Bible every, anywhere, I don't think. So... Um, I, I prayed about it, and Liz and I thought a lot about it, and thought, yeah, this, this could be God speaking to us. So we went off and we worshipped in Guildford Cathedral, where I'm a lay canon, um, uh, and love Guildford Cathedral. We went and worshipped there for three, four years, um, very much with the prayers and blessing of Three Counties Church, Hazelmere. And, um, and during that time, we discerned that this was the way to go. So next Sunday, I'm going to be ordained deacon in Guildford Cathedral at now, um, half past ten in the morning. And, um, and then we'll be working at St. Albans Church, Hindhead. So um, I'll be the curate there for the next few years. Thank you. Well, let's pray for Derek as he comes to speak to us. Father God, we thank you for Derek. We thank you for all the people that he's influenced for you over many years. And Lord, we really pray for him in this new venture, this new um, ordination, that Lord, he'd just be able to bring your message to people there in Hindhead and further afield. Lord, we pray you'll be with him now as he shares your word just for us. Amen. Thank you, Richard. Excuse me. Well, it is good to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. You could have come a bit closer, but um, never mind. And, and you have to forgive me if occasionally I glance up there. Is the first one just the blank one? Yeah, that's great. Now, this is my title today. It's the paint sprayer. Is it possible to twist it around a bit so I can see the, 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 the slide? Uh, yeah, that's pretty that's, that's better, yeah, okay. It's the paint sprayer and the, and the transformation of the universe. Turn back in your Bibles to Ephesians 4, if you have your Bibles there, and you will read these incredible words. <clears throat> he who descended is the same one, verse 10, who ascended <clears throat> far above all the heavens, 
so that he might fill all things. What does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is going to fill all things? Listen to this in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. It says this, well, I'll go back a bit. He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan. What's God's plan? What's his big plan? As a plan for the fullness of time, listen to this, to gather all things, to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. What does that mean? To gather up all things in Christ as a plan. Isn't that incredible that, that somehow one day everything in the universe is going to be gathered up into Christ? I haven't got any words to say about that. What, what does your imagination begin to think? What will that mean for the planets, for the sun, for this, for everything? That everything will be gathered up into Christ, God's great plan. And, and in Ephesians, in that reading, we read about this wonderful, wonderful unity. Uh, unity in the body of Christ. These great words, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Uh, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So this incredible image of unity. And then he goes on to say this. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let me show you a little picture and see if, um, if we've got this. Uh, there's a prism. What happens when you get a prism is you get white light going in one side, unity of light going in one side. And then what happens? Out splays all these amazing colors. And I think that's an incredible image of what this says from this, this wonderful unity, this oneness, one God and Father, but then to each of us, you and you and you and you and you and you, all of us, he's given grace and gifts. But it's all part of the plan. One day to fill all things, the whole universe, uh, Christ. I like that picture. And, and there's another image here. There is, there is an image. And, and it's, a, it's a little image I've, I've read this morning, and even when it was being read to us, I thought, yeah, I can remember just that glazing over when I heard that. Listen to this. What do you make of this? Um, when he, therefore it said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the same one. I'm, by now, I'm going mad. I'm thinking, what's all this ascended, descended business? But listen, he who descended is the same one who ascended far above all things so that he might fill all things. Now, I must say, for years, I've read those verses and thought, what on earth does that mean? It's confusing. 
But then you kind of turn it round again. Have you ever seen those, um, those images or films of, of those, let's say, the Roman army coming back, having conquered some kind of kingdom? And, um, and what they've got is they've got all the captives behind them. Some of them, I mean, if you, I think in Ben-Hur it is, you've got, they're in cages and things. It's terrible, really, all what they used to do, these Romans. But the conquering general would come back and, and then we'd sort of ascend these steps to the emperor. And the emperor would put some kind of crown on the general's head. And then he would give all these gifts and it might be the territories that they've just conquered. Okay, you can be the proconsul back there. And all your soldiers, the ones who've suffered with you, they can have lands and they can have farms and all that. It was in, it rings a bell. Tolkien's the same. Lord of the Rings, where they come back. And, and there's this incredible scene. You can watch it on YouTube. And, and there he is, I can't remember the name of the man, but he goes up and up and up the steps. And then this king gives him a kind of crown. And then everybody goes mad. And then they give gifts to the conquering army. Now listen again to those verses. Therefore it said, when he ascended on high, think of that Roman going up the steps, he made captivity itself captive. All those things that Jesus conquered a captive, and he gave gifts to his people. So what's happened is this wonderful triumph that Jesus has, has made on the cross is splayed out for us in gifts to you and you and you and you. Just like the conqueror in Roman times. And it says this, what are these trophies? What are these gifts? It says, well, there are lots of lists in the Bible of gifts of God. And, and I guess you've, you've read some of those. But this particular list is called um, the, the fivefold ministries. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So just going back, Jesus died on the cross. He conquered so many enemies, sin and death and hell. And then he came back just like uh, the Romans returning with the conquering armies. That's a relief exactly of what we've been talking about, of the, the triumphant army coming back. And then there's the Lord of the Rings scene again where people are going mad because everything has been conquered and gifts have been going... Uh, but now the gifts that he gave are these. The gifts are apostles Prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. But why? Why did he give all those things? Because he's got a plan. And that plan is to gather up all things in him. 
There it is. Isn't that amazing? To gather up all things in him. Now what I want to connect to this morning is you sitting where you're sitting, all the way at the back, even the back row, all the, all the troublemakers at the back, and right through to the musicians and everyone, that your gift, where you are, not the one in the future, but the gift that you have now, the gifts that you have now, are directly connected to that, to him gathering up all things in him. Let's read it again. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. When he ascended on high, he made captivity a captive. He gave gifts, trophies to his people. And then it says the gifts he gave and so on. Isn't that amazing that your gift, and some have been mentioned already, you know, the things that you do here in the church, but not only that, what we're doing nine to five, what we're doing all through the week is directly connected to his grand plan of bringing everything together in Christ. So I just want to have a little look at these for a few minutes this morning, but do you find that even a little, I know we're English, exciting you know maybe that it's not just me working in my small corner i am connected to god bringing everything together in the universe just a word on these these um <coughs> lists here uh, because although you, you know you might not feel that you're particularly connected to any of these but let's have another little think about it you see, these apostles, and they were the original apostles, obviously. They were original apostles. And they were, they were the big picture people. They were sent out. They kind of got it. They were the strategists. They were the people who, who sent out, sent others out. And, and, you know, they were the originals. But you know, some of us have a bit of that in us too. We're the strategists. We're the builders. We can see the big picture. Um, we, 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 we can move out and, and be active and mobilize others. And we're active ourselves. So although there were the originals, and we can't take that away from them, maybe the capital A ones, we can have echoes of those gifts. And I wonder who they are sitting here this morning. Who are those people? It's a gift, and how wonderful. My son is a vicar, I'm following in my son's footsteps, actually. Uh, my son is a vicar at St. Peter's Brighton. St. Peter's Brighton is a plant church from Holy Trinity Brompton, but he's in a plant of a plant, and there are about five plants from that plant. Um, it's all very natural. You know, you think of things growing, you get things growing off other things, so my son is in a plant of a plant, and it's not that easy. It's, it's going to be quite a challenge. There's another one in Hastings, another one in Portsmouth, and so on. But, you know, those who are, who are thinking about that, I think they've got a little bit of that apostolic kind of heart of, of the big picture, the strategy, 
the moving and sending. And there are some who've got echoes of that gift here. And then there are the prophets. Well, the prophets in the Old Testament, well, you can't take anything away from them. They were the ones, the capital P, prophets. But they were the ones who could see things differently from others. They could see deeply, and, and it, it went right to the heart. And then they had this amazing creative gift sometimes of, of being able to put it across in a, in a, in a wacky or, a, or a, an amazing way. And, and sometimes a very uncomfortable way. And you can't take anything away from those great prophets, but some of us have got some of those gifts. Of being able to see a bit more deeply, perceive, and perhaps say things in a more creative way. Sometimes a shocking way. And then there are the evangelists. Well, the, the picture I like of evangelists, of Pilgrim's Progress. And all evangelists did, it wasn't a very um, flattering description. He just stood there going like that. That's all evangelists did in the Pilgrim's Progress. just stood there as a signpost. He didn't say much. He wasn't a, you know, the Bible says, and all that sort of thing. He wasn't a Billy Graham. He was just like that signpost at the end of the road, which I turned into today, thankfully, Milford Baptist Church. Just pointing to Jesus. And I love that image. Now, I also love some of the other things. That is Moody. And Moody was an evangelist. And the bit I like about Moody especially because I love London, is he was so clever as an evangelist and so gifted, he would preach to thousands in the East End, to the dockers and all the factory workers and all the ones off the ships, and it stunk, and he was in a big tent. And then some kind of carriage would come along and take him the same afternoon, and in the evening he'd be in some salon in the West End of London with Lady Muck and, and all these titled people. And he'd be winning people for Christ at both ends of London. That's amazing. But whether you're just one of those evangelists or one of those, it's a gift. And it's connected to what God is doing in the universe. And then there are pastors. I love that idea of a pastor just walking alongside, coming alongside, and teachers. And teachers are people, when, when people are learning something, there's usually a teacher around. It's, you're not a teacher just because you're called a teacher, it's because somebody's learning something. And how wonderful that we have teachers um, Many teachers here. And I, I thought about how you could illustrate these different gifts. And I suppose in one way, the apostles are like the mind and the hands and the feet. The prophets are like the mouth and the ears. They're listening and they're taking it all in. The evangelists are again the feet and the mouth. And then the, the pastors are like the arms and the ears and the heart. And the teachers... Well, they seem to have got everything, I think. I would say that, wouldn't I? But they've got the mouth, the eyes, the... Anyway. 
And I liked it in th this word is um, diaconia. Diaconia. Uh, it, means, it means ministers, servants of God. And there's a bit in the Acts where it all gets a bit too much for the leaders. And the leaders who, um, you know, some of the original apostles, they, they say, we can't manage everything. We've got to appoint others. And so, do you remember, they, they appointed seven spirit-filled men. I'm sure there were spirit-filled women as well, but the Bible mentions the spirit-filled men to serve at tables. And what John Stott says, he says it's interesting that they both use the same word. And they both use the word diaconia. The, the twelve apostles were diaconia of the word. And the, the deacons, the ones who were serving at tables, the, you know, rolling their sleeves up and really getting stuck in and helping with the distribution of the food and all the practical stuff and the help for the widows. They were the, the diaconia of tables. They were all diaconia. We're all diaconia. There's no hierarchy. And actually, next Sunday, when I stand in Guildford Cathedral, that will be acknowledged. That actually, it looks kind of a bit hierarchical, but it is not. And when you really read the words of the service, it is all diaconia. We're all the same in the, in, the, in the presence of God and the service of God. So all of us, all of you, are diaconia. If you know the Lord Jesus as your saviour, whether it's in business, the diaconia of the business world, the diaconia of the commerce world, the diaconia of the IT world, the diaconia of the care home world, the diaconia in the home. We're all part of the diaconia. Which leads me on to the paint sprayer. Because my title, don't forget, was The Paint Sprayer and the Transformation of the Universe. I hope you're beginning to get the picture. Whatever you do is part of the transformation of the universe. So this guy, Dave, he was in our youth group and um, he was a funny character. We used to put on uh, drama shows and all that and he was the one, people would be falling about laughing. I mean, he could have been a comedian. Uh, he could have done all sorts of things. He was, he was a funny guy. Um, uh, but he would say, not terribly clever in one way. Um, it didn't get on that well with the exams and so on. So he, um, he, but he was brilliant with his hands. And he went into uh, paint spraying in Hazelmere. And he was a great paint sprayer. They, they, he got on very well. But he said in our youth group one day, when some of the student types were going off to different missions in different countries, and they were going off on youth with a mission, or they were doing this, that, or the other, Dave said, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm just a paint sprayer. I, I, wish I, I wish I was, you know, doing something else. I wish I could be a missionary or do something like that. He said, I'm just a paint sprayer. And we all said, like you would, if you were a youth leader, of course, you know, you're, you're, 
you know, God's got a plan for you and all the rest of it. And then one day, they needed a, they needed a driver for a, a, a mission. And Dave thought, well, I can drive, I'll do that. And so he started. And, um, and, he, and he took a, a youth with a mission team around Ireland. Well, they loved him, so they wanted him to go to Africa. So just to still drive, but, uh, and he drove groups all around different African countries and all these mission groups. But then the, the vehicles broke down. So who did they call on? Of course, it was Dave. And when one needed, you know, a bit of a respray, who did they turn to? Dave. All the others were pretty good at books and reading and writing and things like that. But only Dave could do all those things. So they hardly let him go. He just went for years doing that. And, of course, um, it is an obvious point. An obvious point. And actually, yesterday, I was with him at a wedding. And, uh, oh, where is it? Wait a minute. Uh, oh, no, it's not on this version. Never mind. I put, I put a picture up there. It doesn't matter. Um, never mind. There he is. We'll have that one. So, to finish, let's just, and, and you know all this. You know what your gifts are. If you read H.G. <clears throat> um, Wells, The First Men in the Moon, it was this strange thing that <clears throat> if you were a paint sprayer, you would have enormous kind of hands and eyes because that was your job. If you were, a, if you were um, a, let's say, um, I don't know, a, a builder, you'd have enormous muscles. I mean... Everything was out of proportion to your job. If you were somebody who was in, um, I don't know, uh, um, IT, you'd have enormous eyes and a brain as big as a planet. <laughs> the First Men in the Moon by H.G. Wells. Now, it would be very easy if it was like that and we could see that this morning, you know, what your gift is. Sometimes young people say, oh, I don't know what my gift is. Everybody else knows it's blindingly obvious, but they can't see it. And I guess, because most of us are of a certain age this morning, you know what you can do well. You know what you love doing and what, you're, what you love doing. And, and you know that that is what God has given you to do. And, um, and it's something about our strengths, something about what we love doing, something about what goes with the grain in us, and that God somehow overlays that but you know we have to identify but the next thing is we have to exercise our gift we've all got muscles and we have to exercise them and we have to exercise those gifts and not only that we have to develop our gifts uh, I've been playing the guitar since I was 10 and that's quite a few years now but for my birthday I said to my wife do you know what I'd like some Guitar lessons, some classical guitar lessons, because I did it when I was young, and I've lost it in all Soho and everything else. So I've gone back, and I'm learning so much that I thought I knew. And, and it's a lesson for all of us, isn't it, that when we think we're good at something, let's carry on developing them. There's, there's a verse in the old version which said, wait on your ministry. And I think what that means is whatever your ministry is, develop it even more. Find people who are better at it than you are or who can help you develop it. 
I mean, this man, he spent nearly all my wife's hard-earned money on these guitar lessons just trying to get me to do this. I thought I knew how to use the right hand playing classical guitar. I hadn't even started. And we can go on for years thinking that we're at a certain level and God wants to take us much further, much further. But then, and we didn't really unpack um, this bit in Ephesians 4, there's an awful lot about love and respect for others. And we should operate our gifts in love. And we should treasure the gifts of others and not take them for granted. And so where is this leading? It is ultimately the transformation of all things. And just to finish on a very old story, which I'm sure many of you would have heard, but let me read it out to you again. During a visit to the NASA Space Center in 1962, President John F. Kennedy noticed a caretaker carrying a broom. He interrupted his tour, walked over to the man and said, Hi, I'm Jack Kennedy. What are you doing? Well, Mr. President, the caretaker responded, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow? You're transforming the universe. You're playing your part in bringing all things together in Christ. Well, that's the thought for the coming week. Amen. Thank you, Derek. Much to think about and much to pray about. We're going to go straight to communion now. Um, and before, just as Rich is coming up, let's just say a quick prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you are God of justice and of grace, that you are so generous. Thank you that through death and resurrection of Jesus, our future is secure. Thank you that through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we can see a hint of that future. We pray for a greater restoration of your people now. And may the new wine of your Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God drip from the mountains. And may we see a rebuilding of the ruined churches and an increase of church planting and a great outpouring of your Holy Spirit and of grace. And may we use those gifts that you have given us. May we unpack them and exercise them in your name. Amen. And I wonder if, um, let me see, sorry, Tom, could you come up and help with communion, please? Yes, please. Yeah.
Let's pray together. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Amen. As we come to communion, Paul said to the church there in Corinth, there were two things that they needed to do, and there were two things that were perhaps wrong, and one was that people hadn't really examined themselves, and the other was that people weren't in good relationship with each other. Well, we had a good time of relating to each other at the beginning of the service, so that's great, and that was just like sharing the peace, just greeting someone is sharing God's peace with each other, so... That's good, but let's come to a time of confession, and you'll find in the uh, seats in front of you uh, this confession prayer, 